Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. We have with us today a very special guest, Jeff Klein, who is CEO of Cause Alliance Marketing. He wears many hats. He's also Executive Director and Chief Integration Officer of Conscious Business Alliance and Conscious Capitalism Incorporated. We're going to hear more about that as we move into the show. His most recent book, brand new, hot off the presses, Working for Good, Making a Difference While Making a Living. Well, Jeff, that sounds good to me. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Cheryl. It is a delight to be here with you, and always a delight to talk with you. It is great to be here. I am so glad that you are joining us today. Um, You know, we met, um, oh, just a few years ago, and I have watched your work and how it's evolved, and I know our listeners are going to be very interested to hear your philosophies on working for good and what that means and how that looks and how that has manifested for you. So before we get started, tell us where you are today. I am in Longmont, Colorado, which is about 10 miles from Boulder, Colorado. Oh, so are you taking a little vacation? Uh, (laughs) Were that it's so, no, I'm here (laughs) for a number of reasons. My daughter's best friend from school is here, and I uh, make sure that she maintains her relationships with people she loves. And fortunately, my publisher, Sounds True, is here, and I have many friends and colleagues, so I've been uh, pretty much full meeting schedule the whole time I've been here. Oh, well, you know, you have to work for good, right? (laughs) Absolutely, and I I must say, but of course, there is always play interwoven with work. Oh, good. Yes. Oh, good, good. I'm glad. So, So let's kind of start at the beginning. Let's go back to Jeff Klein um, early in your career. Let's talk a little bit about the journey you've taken to get to where you are. Tell us about your background and your your training and your education. Well, I, I'll leave lots of holes, but I'll try and uh, outline a meaningful path, right? My, my education, uh, formal education, was at Brown University where I studied international relations, the, though my best friend at Brown called me an introductory studies major because I took one of everything. <laughs> one of everything. Uh-huh, the generalist. One, yes, really wanted a, you know, a flavor of everything. And um, my, the, the, the two courses that captivated me the most um, and you know, catalyzed the most creativity and work for me. One was called uh, Possibilities for Social Reconstruction, mm. uh, and it's a course that required the, the participants to create the course, essentially. And the other was Agricultural Development in the Third World, which is another, uh, you know, kind of self-starting. It required us to, to really create our own, our own course and path, which tends to be, uh, you know, my, my orientation. Yeah. And, uh, from, from there, so as you would note from those two titles, I've been inclined to the question of how can what I do through my work make the world a better place in some way. Yeah. And that's been a driving, uh, driving force for me for, for as long as I can remember. Yeah. Um, after college, I did a research study for Robert Rodale, who was the 
chairman of Rodale Press, the publishers of Organic Gardening and yeah. Prevention Magazine, among many others. Um, I say the late Robert Rodale. He died in yeah. uh, early in the mid 1980s. But um, the study was on natural resource and social economics. What were the trends and new new realities that were emerging in thinking and action in those two spaces? And spent several months uh, researching and writing, which put me in touch with the emerging uh, social investment uh, industry, which is now a trillion-dollar industry. Then it was, uh, you know, a few hundred thousand, maybe a million. Right, right. Um, and, and others who were, you know, raising the question of how can we orient our economy in a way that really serves human beings and the environment. So that was 1981. And that those seeds have, you know, stayed with me. And I'll, I'll quickly go through some of the other steps. And again, jumping some. In the mid '80s, um, I helped start a record company called Private Music, which was focused on um, contemporary instrumental music that supported people to tap into, you know, their own inner experience and inner life. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time that I built a company from the ground up. You know, really, uh, literally, I plugged in the phone and then took it in four years to. <laughs> $15 million um, in sales working through, uh, you know, major distributors. So I really, you know, built it with others, of course. And, um, and after that, I managed a recording artist who was on the label who I had broken, you know, while I was there called Yanni and, uh, you know, produced concerts and tours and things for him. And then I um, uh, helped start something called Spinning, which is a workout on the stationary bike. Uh, and again, at the beginning, it was Johnny G, the founder of Spinning, and a few other students in a garage in Santa Monica. And I helped kind of move it, get it going to you know where it is now. I, I did it for about a year and a half. And the the, the uh, connection is both uh, both private music, you know, through music and spinning through movement, were intended to really support people to tap into their inner life, and they were they were growth oriented in in some way. And I was kind of cultivating and exploring, you know, my skill with business and marketing in particular and, and applying it to, um, you know, to social ends, although not specifically, um, you know, making the, uh, addressing social and environmental issues, but in some way. And after that, I, um, I moved to New Mexico. Friends of mine were running an organic seed company called Seeds of Change, and they clearly needed the um, the expertise that I had developed in building you know, companies and marketing, and I went there and helped uh, kind of clean up the different uh, the different departments. And uh, after a while, uh, the owners of the company uh, or the main stockholders kind of came to me and said, "Love what you're doing. I'm not really happy with how this company is being run." And within a, a year, there was kind of an internal takeover, which I didn't really understand what I was. Getting into so I got another experience of a mm. socially oriented company. This one was very specifically looking to address environmental issue with the food food uh, food system and sure. organics, and, and learned how you know how 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 people uh, operate in business sometimes uh, not so friendly, and also got to really see the uh, how. And I'll I'll stop here for a second and and say that the the the, the relevance of of all of these. For working for good, and you know where I am now is that along the way, noted that each one, the people involved and the companies themselves, had an intention to really make the world a better place in some way. And in each case, they were doing that to a meaningful extent. 
but there was a hole, and the hole was similar in each one. And the the hole was the way they functioned, the way they they structured themselves and and behaved as people to people didn't work. Right? There was always something that fell short that people were not treated with respect, people weren't treating themselves respect, they were either overworked or, you know, suppressed, or there was something where the, the potential of the human beings to really bring, what, you know, be who they are and bring what they have uh-huh. and work together was not being really cultivated and facilitated. And that was my, in, my you know, great interest, is how do we come together, as it were, and work together and, and isn't uh, that interesting that people who are so committed to doing good for the planet, doing good for communities and, and you know, really elevating people's way of living, quality of life, have such problems with their own humanity, with each other? It's extremely well said, and yes, <laughs> that is my experience and it is as i as i put this out and express this to people i get the same thing back is yes i it, it's true why is this and this is the issue that we must address mm-hmm. if we're going to address all the other issues mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so so you know this it, it brings me to um questions for you around you know you must have of begun to have um, some, I don't know, deep soul-searching that must have started going on with you as you began to see this disconnect? Well, yes, and there's a couple things. You know, one, I recognize that I, too, had my holes, you know, in in how, you know, in how I showed up as a human being, And, and I learned from, you know, I made many mistakes and learn from them. And I also very specifically said, you know what, I've got to, I've got to cultivate this. You know, I've got to cultivate awareness. I need to cultivate the skills of listening. I need to cultivate the skills of facilitating collaboration. And learned that more and more over time, and specifically did those things over time. Uh, and what I found is that, you know, as my awareness and skill increased, uh, I would you know, I'd still make mistakes, but I was able to be more grounded and really hear and mm. see where I wasn't really showing up as mm. humanly and as effectively as I had intended to and learned in the moment. And then it also the other thing it did is it, it, it creates, uh, I'm going to say, great strength, especially if you can ca- catalyze and cultivate community so that you're not alone. Um, uh, in that, in this endeavor to bring humanity to work, as it were, and if you've got just a couple people who are going, you're not crazy, and we see the same thing, so that when you're facing brutal, even sometimes, you know, brutal, uh, 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 even aggressive resistance to what you're trying to do, you can withstand. And in that withstanding uh, and holding to your humanity, it's kind of like, and I don't, I'm not equating myself to to Nelson Mandela or Gandhi, but it's kind of like what Nelson Mandela did, you know, continued to love his captors, right, and just hold that space. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ultimately, as long as you can maintain your, you know, your, your being and maintain that place, 
things change. And so as you cultivate the skill and as you cultivate community around this, you become stronger and you, and and uh, and as people see that you're real you truly are doing this and committed to this including with them right including with the people who might be just being you know downright nasty yeah you must, you must run into some resistance with this oh absolutely <laughs> <laughs> i mean you know when people are so focused on building a business or or even so committed to their passion of doing good in the world, um, saving, you know, a village or, you know, whatever it is, um, they must encounter some of their own resistance to doing things in a way that may take longer, right? I mean, if you have to collaborate, you have to have more conversation. You can't be barking orders and so there's going to, it's going to take more time, and and so there must there must be some resistance to this. Well, yes, and I'll add earlier in my career in life, some of that resistance was internal, right? mm, yeah. uh, because that that point you made is a really fine one. The presumption that staying focused and intense and you know uh, like just we're going here and forget everything else. Yeah, yeah. The presumption that that's actually quicker, right? Right, right. It's actually not. When you can op- when you soften and open and, and connect and you have more people aligned with the vision and, you know, heading in the same direction, mm-hmm. it, it, you're, you unleash a dam and, a, you know, a, the, the, the river of energy uh, flows to support that objective. As opposed well, to resistance, you know. Right. It makes a lot of sense. Well, this brings up many more questions, but Jeff, we're going to take a break right now, and when we come back, we're going to get into how you do this. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Is there truly a lesson in every situation? Can you learn from another person's experiences or are lessons learned when they only happen to you? Dave Felzer, number one national and number one international best-selling author, challenges listeners to stand tall, to be accountable no matter what the setbacks, and to recommit to enhancing their lives as well as assisting others around them. Listen to The Dave Pelzer Show every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Radio Network. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy 
easy-to-understand tools and tips. With his weekly guest, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. And welcome back to Leading Conversations. We're speaking with Jeff Klein this morning, author of Working for Good, Making a Difference While Making a Living. So, Jeff, you you just shared with us um, a history that is quite uh, extensive, or your background, and I'm not surprised that having that broad perspective has served you well for where you are today and having a voice for Working for Good. Um, and you wear many hats right now, um, besides being an author um, of a brand new book. And you you wear many hats. One of them is CEO of Cause Alliance Marketing, which you you pretty much just explained to us. You know, people who are have cause related um, um, work, you help them elevate that, bring that to market, essentially help them be successful in that. And you. Also, our executive director and chief integration officer for Conscious Business Alliance and Conscious Capitalism Incorporated. Now, this is connected to um, John Mackey, who's the CEO of Whole Foods Market, and Michael Strong, who's the chief activation officer of Flow. And we've actually interviewed Michael um, on this show previously. We had a great time with him. So tell us a little bit about these these hats you wear. You know, I mean, this sounds very interesting. And what the heck is a chief integration officer anyway? Well, first of all, just one point of clarification is Michael is chief visionary officer. Oh, 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 sorry. And oh. No, that's okay. And my, my initial title, the title I gave myself the first day I started working with John and Michael, was chief activation officer. Oh, that's where that was. Okay. Yeah, because Michael and John were very much in an idea space around flow. Um, right. And I said, this is great. I love ideas, but if they don't lead to action, I'm not interested. So I'm going to call myself Chief Activation Officer. Uh-huh. In the process, and this is an indirect answer to your question, but I'll get there. In the process of writing my book uh, last year, and the second last chapter in the, the fifth skill is integration, I really, really got deeply immersed in the idea of integration and how essential it was, and I realized that I didn't need to be activating <laughs> more things. I needed to be integrating what was already activated. So, uh, interesting. So, yeah. so uh, as to these different uh, activities, first, uh, a slight uh, uh, clarification or expansion on the idea of Cause Alliance Marketing. The principle, as reflected in the name uh, behind Cause Alliance Marketing, mm-hmm. is to address social issues by facilitating collaboration between participants in different sectors. So it's business, businesses, multiple businesses, multiple nonprofits, and in some cases even government agencies working together to address 
social and environmental issues that they couldn't do on their own. And in the process, the marketing has two implications. One is they're marketing the cause, the mm-hmm. issue. They're, they're giving it a voice. Mm-hmm. And they're, and what marketing does, marketing is not only about, you know, projecting and pushing. Sure. Marketing yeah. is an invitation. It's facilitating connection and relationship and engagement of people with, with their, you know, collaborative endeavor to address a social or environmental issue. The other element is it's marketing for the, the partners, the members of the alliance, because they have needs and objectives and at the same time as they're addressing this commonly shared interest in this issue, they need to address their own needs and interests so that they can sustain and, and continue to, to do this. Mm. So that's, that's that. Uh, with respect to um, uh, the Conscious Business Alliance and Co- Conscious Capitalism, Inc., uh, Conscious, uh, Conscious Capitalism, Inc. is one of the, the new incarnations of flow, mm. um, uh, which flow, again, started by John and Michael and I, I've been working with them for nearly four years and really building the organization with another colleague named Phyllis Bleece and many other great people in the mm-hmm. circle. Uh, and out of the last several years have emerged three, uh, well, now four programs. One of them is called Peace Through Commerce, the other one, Accelerating Women Entrepreneurs, and then the other one, which I'm principally focused on, is Catalyzing Conscious Capitalism and the Conscious Business Alliance. And then the fourth is a new one which has emerged, which is holding the original core flow ideas, which is called Freedom Lights Our World. And that's Michael's place, as it were, the container that he's holding, which is focused on the the core ideas of economic freedom and um, entrepreneurship. So... um, you have some specific questions, or would you like me to tell you a little bit more about the Conscious Business Alliance and what we're doing there? Well, let's let's talk about Conscious Business Alliance. You know, I mean, I think that this um, concept was beginning to get a lot of attention about how businesses. I mean, just basic the the, the name. You know, just businesses can be conscious in their actions and how they can create alliances in achieving what they want. Um, for good, and it seems that um, this kind of has dropped off the radar screen since we've had the whole economic upheaval in our system. <laughs> well, uh, yes and no. Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, maybe it's, it seems to have dropped off the radar screen. If it has, it's flourishing under the radar. Ah, okay. And uh, and I'll add that Motley Fool, John Mackey recently uh, paid a visit to the offices of the Motley Fool, and they have posted three or four different articles about, you know, coming out of that visit. And they're certainly on the radar screen. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and really acknowledging that given the current circumstances and given the deep mistrust in business, both from outside con- consumers, etc., mm-hmm. and from inside employees, uh, that it's essential to rethink and reorient the way we do business. So I, th- I think this is a profoundly ripe time for a uh, fertile time for conscious business and conscious capitalism. And I'll add, we're producing a Catalyzing Conscious Capitalism Summit in Austin in the end of October, and the response we're getting is, Incredible. I mean, we're going to have 120 people of that. Maybe 80 will be CEOs of mid-market companies, as well as some very significant thought leaders. So I, you know, while it 
might seem to be off the radar, it's definitely a a flourishing uh, flourishing field. Well, and it does seem like times like this, um, when it's not on the front page, are really the times to take advantage of you know the simmering or the cooking of the ideas and stepping in before it becomes the way of things. Right? Isn't that a good time to make things happen? Very well said, and and part of what you said there is, uh, I'll take a little further, I think I heard you say this, is it's the time to get really clear on what it is you're doing, to define it clearly, and to catalyze the community who share the same, you know, vision and perspective, mm-hmm. and who will together, you know, by, by, by word and by deed, you know, spread the, spread the message. Mm-hmm. And, and that is what's happening. And if I may, I'll give you a quick definition of sure. consciousness. Yeah. So, and John uh, is, is, plays a really significant role in articulating this and uh, holding the space for it as well as exemplifying it. And John and Walter Robb, who's the president and COO of Whole Foods and, and you know, their top management, as well as people throughout their system. Yeah. And there are others. Uh, there's Kip Tyndall of the Container Store and Chip Conley of Joy de Vivre Hotels. Yeah. I mean, there are just countless uh, people that are really living this and thinking about it. But the three uh, principles underlying the conscious, conscious business model, as, as we're putting it out there, are purpose, and they can, you can call it deeper purpose or higher purpose, but acknowledging that every business and every organization has a purpose beyond return on investment. Right? There's some service that they're providing and that really connecting with that and focusing that on that is much more effective than focusing on, you know, return on investment as a purpose. Right, <laughs> you know, right. I am in the business of making money. Uh, will you give me your money? Well, of course not. I'm here to provide a service or a good and I'm here to understand how it will serve you. And in that exchange, you know, I'll get a return on my investment. Right. So that's the first one. Um, should I go with the second? Yeah. yeah. A, okay. The second one is so, somewhat connected to the first one, but shifting the focus from uh, a business is designed as a linear process that is focused on the shareholder, right, and the return on investment, is recognizing that business lives and exists as an ecosystem and in an ecosystem, mm. and. And that, that ecosystem you can call an ecosystem of stakeholders, right? You have your customers, your team members or employees, your vendors, your investors, the communities in which you do business, the environment, and that it, for, for, for the healthiest, most successful and effective business, you have to view it as a system of interrelated, interdependent stakeholders, and you have to create value for all of the stakeholders, and so that's the second principle. Mm-hmm. You, so you're really coming to an organic model rather than a mechanical model. Right, right. And, and then this, the is, third- this is new. I mean, when you think about how um, structured most organizations are in their silos, they barely see themselves as a system, much less operating in a larger ecosystem. Very well said <laughs> and very true. And again, it's a, it's a system that is organ, organized around that, that purpose, right? Right, that you, right. So then the third principle is leadership, right? And it's the kind of leadership, and we're playing with different names to put on it, you know, tags, 
whether it's servant leadership or conscious leadership. But the point of it is that to, cre- to create a conscious business, leadership needs to be such that it serves the purpose and serves the stakeholders, the interdependent system of stakeholders, mm. rather than focusing first on serving the leader, right, whether it's ego or money or whatever the motivation might be. Right. So those, and, and that leadership is not something that's just embodied in one person or a small group of people, but that approach to leadership is something that is infused and cultivated throughout not only the business itself, but through its ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you say leadership serves the purpose and serves the stakeholders, um, and I, I believe that in most organizations they would put their number one, <clears throat> excuse me, their number one stakeholder as, if they are a public company, the stockholders. Well, again, uh, and and I'm used uh, Whole Foods. They're not the only model, but John very explicitly, and they, you know, as a company, very explicitly state that their number one stakeholder is the customer, mm. and their number two stakeholder is their team member or their employee. Mm. Because if you have satisfied customers, then you will have satisfied investors. Right, right, right. If you right. focus on the investors, you might not have satisfied customers, and if you're not paying attention to the customers, ultimately the investors are going to lose, and the right. team members are the direct connection to the customers. They're the ones that directly serve the customers, so you want them to be energized and happy and fired up and all that. Right, right. Well, that makes a lot of sense, you know, and and it sounds so simple. You know, what I'm finding, uh, Cheryl, in the context of conscious business, in the context of working for good and everything I have in there, is people read it and go, or, you know, hear it and go, this is just common sense, right? Mm -hmm. And it's true, but the the point is we're so far away from common sense. Yeah, Yeah, that that, that's a problem. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, you talk in the book about um, specific skills that are essential to working for good, and we're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to have you talk about cultivating those skills and what they are. We'll be back right after. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Money. We love it, we hate it, and everything in between. You can be the master of your life and your own economics. Join Professor Laurie Lamantia each week for the program Making Peace with Money. Laurie will help you realize the power to create fulfillment in your life and shed new light on your money madness. You'll learn how to make peace with money and feel the joy and freedom renewed in your life. 
Making Peace with Money is broadcast live every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back to Leading Conversations. We're speaking with our guest, Jeff Klein, today. Jeff, let's talk a bit about what you've mapped in your book, Working for Good, Making a Difference While Making a Living, um, you talk about that there are essential skills that one has to cultivate to work for good, to actually do this well. Let's talk about what they are. Tell us about this. Well, first I'll just list the five skills, and then I'll go into them a little bit, and then we can talk about it. Uh, And I'll, I'll say before I list the five skills, as I was writing the book, and really dove into my experience and looked at, you know, each circumstance and the patterns that emerged between it, I realized that, I mean, what what ended up speaking to me was these were the five skills and the relationship between them that I have, in a, you know, inadvertently, I didn't necessarily say, okay, I'm going to develop these five skills and this, you know, for this reason. Yeah, these, yeah. these are the things that I observed that I had cultivated and how they related to each other and how they made a difference, right? Mm. When I or others that I observed or worked with were embodying them. So that said, the skills are awareness, embodiment, connection, collaboration, and integration. Mm. And you'll see if uh, if you get the book or go to my website, you'll see I have this little almost mandala with circles, overlapping circles, five circles, and which shows how they're all interconnected, yeah. you know, like a Venn diagram, and they feed each other. Yeah. Um, but there is a progression from awareness to embodiment to connection to collaboration to integration, and then it continues. So talk about awareness. I hear this a lot. Um, yeah. I certainly teach it, cultivate it in my clients because I agree with you, without that, nothing else can spring forward. Um, but talk about why it's important and how you create this in yourself. <laughs> well, the, as you've indicated, it is the, the underlying or the overriding skill that informs all the rest. Mm-hmm. And the, the awareness that I speak of is, we'll call it conscious awareness, it's the awareness of your awareness, right? Right, right. Recognize you know, wh- how you are in the moment, how you are feeling, how you are reacting, how you are engaging. Um, and it has to do with, you, you know, how you are within yourself, how you are with others and your effect on them. Also observing their effect on you, right? Right, right. And, and your relationship to groups and how is this group functioning and what is your the way you're showing up affecting this group and how is the group's energy or space affecting you? If you are aware of these dynamics, then you can make more conscious choices of what you do next, right? How you engage, how you show up. Uh, and as to how, and 
and how you show up will have an effect on how they respond or react, right? So how do you cultivate it? Well, there are, you know, many ways of cultivating awareness. Again, some are in the book, and um, there are, you know, others that you can, um, you know, you can cultivate. One of the principal, well, among the principal practices that I've cultivated, you know, over the last 30 years are mindfulness meditation, which is a profoundly powerful and very straightforward um, uh, tool for cultivating awareness, Uh, the practice of yoga in many forms. um, And I find, and I happen to be a a kinesthetic, a Mm body-oriented person, mm -hmm. very Mm -hmm. physical when I move, so I find that moving practices are really good for me, bringing together the the meditative practice with a moving practice. And I... uh, among uh, the the moving practices I do are some martial arts, chi running, five rhythms, uh, movement meditate, moving meditation, as as well as yoga. So I do a lot of moving, uh, of moving meditation. Um, so I don't know, maybe Cheryl, you want to add a couple, or is that is that a good for now? Well, I like that you said that you're a kinesthetic person, and then you talked about you know some of the practices that fit that, and because I know that there are people who are not. They're not kinesthetic, and so, you know, you won't find them in a yoga class. And, right. and so, you know, and I, I find that when I work with CEOs of organizations or senior leaders in organizations, not always are they um, the kind of person who will go to yoga or who even run, you know. And, um, maybe they're not into that. And so what we have to do is really look at each person and say, where do, you know, start where the person is. How exactly. do we reach that in yourself, you know. And sometimes it is as simple as having them be aware of themselves in a meeting. So I want you to go to this meeting. I want you to sit there for five minutes in the meeting. And for that five minutes, listen. But right. pay attention to yourself listening. And so you teach them kind of the mechanics of it in order to get them there. Now, they may ultimately end up, you know, being the kind of person who, who can move into things like yoga, et cetera, um, or not. But there's a lot of different ways in, and I, I think it's, I like that you've called that out. Well, and, and I really appreciate that you've uh, amplified it. Um, it it's, it's really important, and as you'll note, in the awareness chapter, I outline the, you know, the multiple intelligences or nine yeah. intelligences for the explicit purpose of acknowledging that, you know, just because you might not be inclined in one direction or have great skill in one direction, that doesn't mean that you don't have it in many others. And let's yes. open up to, to that and recognize that there are different channels through which you will be able to, as you've suggested, uh, Cheryl, cultivate the skill of awareness right. And, right. and apply it. Right, and quiet, yes, <laughs> and quiet. So tell us about the next one, embodiment. Embodiment. Well, again, kind of going back to that chief activation officer, you know, if you don't take it out into the world, it's not that, it's not that interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you're not going to really make a difference. Right. So, uh, and, and the embodiment has to do with, you know, physically embodying your awareness and your intention. And I... Looked at, what I did is as I, as I looked at some of the themes that people focus on in general in the context of business, like purpose and principles, uh, you know, com- intentions, commitments, I saw that, that they really form 
the fiber of embodiment, right? It's, mm-hmm. These are the things that you need to have in place to take, you know, your intention out into the world, to, to, to take your calling, to take your, you know, your purpose out into the world. So it's both physicalizing, but it's also creating form, right? Mm-hmm. Creating form around right. your intention to work for good. And if you're coming from the place of awareness, then you really tap into, okay, what is it that I'm really called to do? And what are the things that guide me as I do it, right? And how am I going to show up, you know, with others? And so it's really focusing on those on those things. And then, and I'm going to continue and sure, right into yeah. connection here because there it is a flow. So you start with this awareness of how you, you know, what your orientation is, how you relate to others, how you affect them, how they affect you. Then you look at, okay, well, what is it that I'm actually called to do here and how... How am I called to do it? Right? How am I? You know the principles that guide me, and what am I going to take a stand for, and yeah. you know really commit to doing? And then you come, then you can meet others, right? And in that process of meeting others, it, you know the first thing to recognize is they're they're coming from a similar place and process, more or less conscious, you know, but they're they're coming from a, that from their, you know, from their moving from awareness and embodiment, right. and I, I recognize that to really connect and kind of create the ground for collaboration and co-creating, right, a world that we all could go thumbs up. <laughs> you know, we've done something meaningful here. And yeah. um, you've got to really meet the other as a full being, right? That's the most important thing. Mm. And it's a question of how you do that. And, you know, the first thing is to trust that you you know you're not going to disappear and you're not going to turn to mush and you know people aren't going to walk all over you if you let go of where you're coming for for a moment and just receive the other person right and you know the first you know specific skill for for receiving the other person is listening right um, which is you know essential to all of this and then it's dialogue okay how do you come from a you know come from a place of you you know you're coming from who you are but you're opening to the other person you're listening deeply and how do you co-create through conversation right and it and and this leads then to the process of collaboration mm. i'll pause there in case you have any anything you want to add or well you know it makes me uh, wonder about um, as you describe this it seems like such a gentle process and it, it there really is flow in this and yet i can see how people would take these skills and see them as um what's the word i want i mean for lack of a better word to see them as things that they have to conquer and rather than incorporating it into who they are and so you know when we get through this list what i'd like to do is talk a little bit about how that becomes just who you are how you show up this way and um well, that, and that's a beautiful i'm sorry go ahead well and so yeah i'd like to do that and I'm getting my engineer saying it's time for a break. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we can talk about that. We'll be right back. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. 
Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. What makes an organization successful? Good leaders with clear visions, measurable goals, and above all, a passion for what they're doing. Great organizations have leaders who work with their people and make decisions that take their organizations consistently in the direction of their visions. To understand how these leaders operate and develop their strategies, join Christine McNulty and Dr. Stephen Woodall in their program, Strategy with Passion, Friday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. So we're speaking with Jeff Klein today. Jeff, so in our last segment, we were talking about the skills that are necessary to actually apply working for good. You had talked about awareness, embodiment, connection, and collaboration. And there's a fifth skill um, that I'd like you to talk about. And then I want to get back to a, a question I had around how you make this who you are. So let's talk about the fifth skill, integration. Well, uh, somewhat related to this, but slightly off, I'm going to go back to a statement you made, Cheryl, if I may, where you, you observed after I spoke about awareness, embodiment, and connection that this seems like such a gentle, flowing process, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And I want to acknowledge that uh, it's not always gentle. <laughs> ah. <laughs> and and uh, uh, it can be very intense and yeah. it can be very physical and there can even and there can be totally appropriate uh tension and even conflict or confrontation mm-hmm. it's a question of how you approach those and how you deal with them so i have friend colleagues that i work with and we might be in a conversation and something really steams me or one of them up and I'll go, you know what, I'm really, really fired up right now. Are you okay if I just let some, if I let it rip? Yeah, go for it, right? <laughs> and I'll, I'll express my, you know, the full energy and emotion. And But again, and I'll check in, is this okay? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, keep going. So it's not about being cream puffs and, yeah. you know, oh, life is just so sweet and easy. No, it's about showing up with the whole range mm. of 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 our experience, but doing so in a way that that respects ourself and each other in the process. Mm. And again, that makes it conscious so that we're agreeing that we're going to be this way with each other rather than just barreling over each other. Right? Well, and I think the nuance that you've really called out here is, um, first of all, you put a name to it. So, you know, if you're having some sort of reaction, you put a name to it. You don't sit there and, and simmer and 
and steam, as you say, um, without saying, I'm having some sort of reaction to this. And the other is, uh, you own it. You're accountable for your own feeling. And so as you asked your colleague, can I just go, can I let off some steam here, um, you know, you're not blaming and you're not attacking. You're taking responsibility for your own feelings. It sounds very important. It, it does. And the other thing is ask, you're asking permission, right? Yeah. You're not assuming that you can just treat people, you know, you can express whatever you want exactly. in whatever way you want. And and mind you, in that process, too, you're acknowledging to yourself and to the other that there are other ways of dealing with it. Mm. You can stuff it, you can go run, you can, whatever it is, go to your therapist, you know. I mean, right. there, are lo- right. there are lots of ways of dealing with the thing, either in the moment or, right. you know, if it's an underlying issue elsewhere. Right. Um, so, th- yeah, thank you for that. And, and I'm going to come back to your question about integration in a second, but you also... Well, no, I'll do that. I'll do that. And I'll say, too, that collaboration, moving from connection into collaboration, collaboration, you know, in connection, we are being with each other, right? Mm-hmm. In collaboration, we're doing with each other. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you know, the word says collaboration, right? Yes. Co- yes. You know, working together, creating something together. Yes. And you build on the skills of awareness and embodiment and connection to collaborate. Yeah. And then there are, you know, there's specific tools and techniques that you can use to collaborate. And now, this absolutely, this is probably the best place to tie into your question of, you know, being versus doing it. Like, how do you actually really integrate this into your being mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, all right, I'm going to master this, you know, I'm going to... Right, right. And which is, which is related to integration, right? Integration, when you integrate, you... A new whole is created from the experience the, that, that you have had. Um, you know, it's something different from what it was before. And uh, uh, a part of the integration process is as you've gone through this, you know, whatever experience you've gone and you have new insights, new awareness, new skill, you can also pause and go, okay, you know, where are the holes here? What isn't being addressed? You know, if I have now have this new insight and awareness and skill here, uh, what what might I not be looking at or what might be left out, whether it's a shadow or, you know, a hole or there's something that, you know, some voice inside or outside that, y'all, that you've been suppressing. It's like, okay, opening, you know, to that, which is really part of the next cycle, too, of, okay, awareness and moving through um, to go deeper, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, that, but back to that, that point is in collaboration, it's a great place to see where people can either mechanically, right, you can get the skills and tools of collaboration and, you know, talk the talk, and, but if you don't really embody, you know, deep awareness and empathy and openness to other human beings, you know, the experience is going to be profoundly different. The mm. same tools, the same techniques, but, ca- but, in, but carried with either with, you know, real embodied awareness or with more mechanical, technical is it's going to be a profoundly different experience. And what you want to go deeper on that with Yeah, the yeah. So so what kind of different experience are, are people going to have there? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's their journey. You know? Perfect answer. <laughs> But, you know, uh, one thing I'll say, you know, it'll probably be, 
you know, uh, the whole catastrophe, as a, you know, Cousin Zaki said in Nico in um, um, Zorba the Greek, you know, the whole catastrophe, it all comes. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But I will say this is you're, you're definitely alive. There's no question mm. about that. You know, you in the book, you after you talk about um, these five areas, you also bring in the concept of return. Yes. Talk a little bit about that. Well, return comes from uh, Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey, as, as Joseph Campbell articulated, which is a, kind of an archetypal uh, pattern that he observed in hundreds, if not thousands, of cultures around the world. And, you know, what happens is you, you receive the call, right? In this case, the call for working for good, for, do, you know, making a difference in, in the world. And as you heed the call, you kind of drop out of the familiar life and, you know, all bets are off. It's, right, right. Everything comes up. All the naysayers, you're crazy. What are you doing? And your internal, you know, your voices go, oh, my God, I'm going to die, right? Fear and doubt and all those things come up. And then you get down into the underworld and, you know, man, who knows which way to go. Right. But as you're, go- as you're going, you meet allies and they give you gifts, right? Mm-hmm. Gifts of insight and wisdom and skill and all those things. And then... You, you realize, wow, I found it. It's great. And you just want to hang out forever. This is great. You, you know, I've got all this great, you know, gifts and, and all these great allies. And, but you're called to return uh-huh. back where you, you know, back to the place you started, even though you're not the same. Uh, and, and that return, in that return, you bring the gifts that you received. You know, again, the, the gifts can be skills. They can be insights, wisdom. And you bring them back in service to community. And so working for good is a, and it's an ongoing cycle. You don't just do one hero's journey, right? Right, right, right. You know, you keep going back. There are other gifts that you have to learn, right, or receive and things you need to learn. So that return is the process of coming back and, you know, sharing what you've found and have with community. And sometimes, you know, community goes great. Sometimes they don't, you know, hear it or see it, but you're, you know, you've got to return. So on some level, um, you know, in our humanity, it's our responsibility to give back and to continue to cultivate what we've learned um, and spread it around, and that makes a lot of sense, and that's working for good. That was really beautifully said, Cheryl. Oh, thank well, you. thank you very much. <laughs> but I, you know, Jeff, this is the message you are giving to all of us, and it is a powerful, powerful message. And you know, you have done this. You have had your journey and continue to be on your journey, but you have been willing to do the work to then turn around and share it with us, so that we can all be better, have more powerful and deeply gratifying lives and ways of being in the world while we are working to make a difference. We could talk for so long, and we are at the end of the show already. Hmm. So, Jeff, I know people are going to be so interested in learning more about you and, and your book, etc. So how can people learn more? Well, thank you, Cheryl. And Cheryl, just an absolute delight to talk with you. Um, I look forward to continuing the conversation in various platforms. And uh, the best way for people to reach me and to connect with the book and all that is through workingforgood.com. 
and I look forward to hearing from people, and, and uh, thank you. Wonderful. Well, I can, I can attest that um, you are a delightful person to talk to, be in front of, share ideas with, and um, people will do well by reaching out to you. So, Jeff, thank you very much for being here today and um, looking forward to the next time we chat. Remember, everyone, to think big because the world Thank you for be spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and leading conversations. You can listen Esposito. live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G dot com. See you next week.